0: In Southeast Agnet's Ag in Review for the week ending May 20th, GMO labeling continues to be a hot topic for many, and it's an issue that continues to be a major focus for the American Seed Trade Association. As to CEO
1: Andy Levine explains why. What we're looking at is trying to have a uniform labeling policy across the country. Right now we've got several states, California being one in the past, Vermont has passed a bill, and they're all different. And no uh, industry can afford to try to have specially packaged labeled products for each state like it's going to, and then it's just going to be confusing for consumers. So how do we develop something that is a national policy across the board? You know, unfortunately, everybody wants something different, and so we're really trying to get down to brass tacks and have an agreeable policy that can move
0: forward and get through the Senate. Now, the U.S. Senate is still working to reach a compromise to create a national standard for GMO labeling before Vermont's mandatory labeling law starts in July. And Levine knows if individual states end up with their own laws, it could cause a lot of issues.
1: Well, what you get is you have to look at the small print, detail in these laws because some states will exempt things like uh, frozen food or restaurants and other states don't exempt those so you have to put it on a menu in this place and you just have to put it on the package in that state and so those differences of what's in and what's out really causes that confusion and the other thing that we want to make sure too is that the state doesn't require a label that makes it look like something's not nutritious or bad for you or unhealthy so we want to make sure that any label there is just informative and is consistent. And Levine wants growers to know ASTA supports GMO technology
0: and continues to work on this issue for the industry.
1: Oh We're in favor of all technologies. You know, the, the government has said it's as safe, it's comparable to conventional uh, production. So, yeah, we're in favor of GMOs as much as we're in favor of organic and conventional. And it is because it gives the farmer a tool to use in their operation. They choose to, to use this, this type of tool tool and it's legal and it's been reviewed. And it's safe. I- it gets over all those hurdles that are, that are out there, they should be able to use that to maximize their production. So yeah, we're completely in favor of uh, biotechnology.
0: Well, Josh Wyatt, Executive Director of Producer Education for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, says producers who have yet to prepare for the Veterinary Feed Directive, or the now now's a good time to do so as it does start at
2: the end of this year. You know, as long as your vet is keeping up to speed, you should be in good shape. Uh, we've put out a lot of resources at NCBA. We've done some articles in our National and magazine that I've written is just about the veterinary client-patient relationship, getting ready, and some guidelines that AABP has put out to make sure that you've got a, a good VCPR in place.
0: Now, for those who don't know much about VFD, White says NCBA has a variety of information to help you answer any questions you may have.
2: We also did a webinar this past summer. It's recorded and available for free on our website at beefusa.org, and it's a full hour of changing regulations on antibiotics with really the leaders in that topic area, Dr. Mike Apley from K-State University, and then a representative from the FDA.
0: Full implementation date of the Veterinary Feed Directive is December 31st of 2016. In other news, many people in the peanut industry follow the USDA reports that provide a host of information about loan activities, LDPs, and more. But as Tyron Spearman reports, a study is being conducted on the peanut loan program.
2: The peanut loan program, managed by USDA in Washington, says there are now 938,000 tons left in the loan. Last year on the same date, 957,000 tons. But this week they issued a statement saying the peanut loan balances and the associated data since February the 11th to present may not accurately reflect the total peanut loan balances due to the system migration and essential upgrades. USDA and FSA anticipates that the peanut loan balances and the associated data will be updated after a complete study, which uh, is anticipated in late June. USDA and FSA said they will update the message when the uh, migration and upgrades are completed. But They have sent people from Washington to make sure that the entire system is updated and their numbers are accurate. The uh, first crop estimate for the new year has been issued by USDA. They said that U.S. farmers will average 3,999 pounds of peanuts per acre on 1,439,000 acres and get a crop of 2.87 million tons. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast AgNet. With this week's Georgia Grown Moment, here's
0: Nathan Wilson. For this week's Georgia Grown Moment, Agriculture Commissioner Gary Black discusses the exciting partnership between Georgia Grown and Subway restaurants as they band together as partners of
1: freshness. These are wonderful partners, first of all. And, and they've been purchasing product from Georgia producers for some time, but it's just a matter of you know, recognizing the brand and having a desire to work together to introduce consumers to the fact that they already are. They're buying local. They're buying from our producers, but there's a lot of power when you just when you state that to your customer. The partnerships gonna allow for greater recognition of the brand from more consumers. We also believe that this gonna be great a great deal for for Subway, but also for our Georgia grown members statewide. People want a relationship with their food when they they can recognize that here's a local Georgia grown producer that's actually in a national chain. Uh, we believe there's a wonderful relationship that gets built there, and we're very excited to be able to tell the story in that kind of way.
0: Visit com to find a Subway restaurant in your area. For Georgia Grown, I'm Nathan Wilson. There's something special about the taste of strawberries picked straight off the vine, and Kathy Isom tells us about a celebration day to have us grabbing our baskets.
3: There is something special about the taste of a strawberry picked straight off of the vine, and perhaps right from your very own backyard garden. If you're planning on heading out to pick some today, you might be surprised to learn that May 20th is celebrated annually as National Pick Strawberries Day. Strawberry picking is normally between late April and throughout the summer, depending on what part of the United States you live in. When harvesting strawberries, you want to look for the bright red, firm, and plump ones. Did you know strawberries are members of the rose family? They're also the only fruit with their seeds on the outside. Strawberries are an excellent source of vitamin C, low fat, and low in calories, and a good source of fiber, folic acid, and potassium. Strawberries can help fight bad cholesterol and may reduce inflammation. They're also perfect in pies, salads, sandwiches, on dessert pizzas, or by themselves as a refreshing light snack on a nice warm day. The first strawberries were grown in France in the late 18th century. California still dominates in total strawberry production, followed by Florida, North Carolina, and Oregon. When you're done picking all of those delicious strawberries, you can rest assured the party isn't over yet. You see, Saturday, May 21st, is National Strawberries and Cream Day. That's right. Fresh strawberries and homemade whipped cream is a must when strawberries are in season. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast AgNet.
0: And to wrap up this week's podcast, Ever Griner talks about the decline of women operators in agriculture.
4: Consumers are demanding a healthier and a safer food supply, the kind of food that's driving the demand for organic production. What's the answer? More women farmers, according to one author. Now, she sees women as more sensitive, more compassionate, more sentimental than their male counterparts. But don't bet on it happening the contrary, fewer women are becoming engaged in agriculture. As recently as 2012, almost a million women were engaged in farming. As of the last agricultural census, the number had declined by 6%. That number relates to women who own, manage, or otherwise operate a farm, not those who just plant or produce a crop. Now, here's something to consider. How many farms are influenced by women? I don't mean owned or managed but influenced I'd say that number is stable, if not growing. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet.
0: Those reports and more can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.